I must say Antwerp has been really developing in that perspective quickly over the, the past few years, where previously Brussels and Ghent, those are sort of economically the main places in the north of the country or in the country in general, actually, when it comes to innovation and tech. Antwerp has been catching up very quickly with the, with the two other cities. Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement, where every week we bring you conversations, insights, and innovation highlights from emerging startup ecosystems all over the world. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz, and I am joined today by Jeroen Portout, who is a Belgium entrepreneur and founder of SalesFlare, which is a CRM for small businesses that sell B2B. Jeroen, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, very glad to be here. First off, I have to congratulate you because FIFA actually just released their updated rankings today, uh, and Belgium is still number one. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're a big soccer fan. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you you are. Only only when it comes to the Belgian team. When, Got when, it. Uh, when it's the World Cup and and uh, we beat Brazil, then uh, then for sure. Yeah, I feel the same way. Except like I had I had to sit the last World Cup out, unfortunately, as as a U.S. fan. So that was really... I'm actually uh, like a U.S. citizen as well. Uh, So when um, I was born in in New York State, my parents are both Belgian, but my my dad was there for work and and my mom, obviously, as well. When um, the U.S. plays on the World Cup, I also cheer for them. Of course, if if Belgium and the U.S. play against each other, then then I go Belgium. Got it. for that. (laughs) <laughs> that's all right i would i would too to be honest if i had the dual citizenship that might be a good segue into kind of starting off with really your entry into the, the belgian startup ecosystem world if you grew up in the u.s did you kind of make your way over after school or how did that all come together so i i completely grew up in belgium on both sides of the language border we speak well actually three languages here but the main languages are dutch and french uh, and when I was a kid, when uh, when I was in kindergarten and first year of primary school, so from when I was three to about six years old, uh, we lived in the French-speaking part of Belgium. But then we moved back to the Dutch-speaking part, and we've been living there ever since. I did study in um, in Italy as well for a bit, but most of the time was, was spent in the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium, which is called Flanders. And so h- how many languages do you speak? That depends where you uh, make the cutoff. I would say Dutch and English almost natively, French very close, German and Italian I can have a conversation, Portuguese as well nowadays. My my wife is Brazilian, so I'm studying Portuguese and my Portuguese is really getting there. Well, I mean you're you're definitely ahead of me. So, question, do you, do you feel like as a as a founder based in Europe, it's it's mm-hmm. a huge advantage if you're able to speak all the different languages or do you feel like it's, you know, it's it's nice, but it's not that big of a deal it's nice but it's not that big of a deal okay i mean sometimes i get a call in french and i i might switch many times i just stay in english if they are fine with that as well because i'm just more fluent in english nowadays and so while we get back into the story of how you got into the startup world i see on your linkedin you founded a company called doctora a little bit before Salesforce. so i mean was that January 2013, your first kind of foray into the ecosystem? Yeah, I've, I've, I've always been interested in, um, in building stuff, companies and, and all kinds of things. I, I think the, the first moment that I was working on my own projects was when I was 15 or 16, building websites. But then for a long while, 
while studying, well, I had a, a small um, secondhand cell phone business and all that. But I, I went from studying engineering uh, to going to business school because I didn't really like the idea of, 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 of sitting behind a computer, creating something and not talking to customers. Um, I went into corporate world because I thought I had that, that would help me to get experience. And it was during all that time, actually since business school, I wanted to um, start a company. I just didn't know around what. It was never very clear to me, and I just kept procrastinating somehow. And it was with Doctura. Um, that was the first time I actually set up a company because I, I joined the Founder Institute. I, I told myself, like, I, I just need to start something, uh, and we'll see from there. And the Founder Institute sort of offers you that, um, that value proposition. If you get in, you only graduate if, with a company, um, and you're completely set up with it. So that was very uh, compelling to me. And I signed up, I went all the way through it and I graduated. Now, um, it was very nice to get started but Doctora didn't really have a, a proper business model. It was very hard to convince uh, a developer to work with me on the project. Uh, so it, it didn't take long before I, I stopped working on it. But it, officially I, I would say it was sort of my first startup, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been a while since we checked in with, with the Belgium ecosystem. Um, I guess back, back when we can actually have conferences, I, I met some of the team from startups.be. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you know Fre Frederick Tabau or yeah. Karen Bors, but um, I know them. Yeah, yeah I, I bet. I mean, they, they've become you know, good friends of the show, but um, it's been probably two years since we did a pulse check of the Belgium ecosystem. And it seems like there was a lot of momentum that was building especially, you know, as kind of startups, BE team and ecosystem start to focus on, you know, how can we transition organization to more focus on scale-ups across Europe? I would love to hear just from your perspective, operating within the ecosystem, like what's kind of changed over the past couple of years before COVID and then like what's, um, you know, what's, what's going on right now within the community? Yeah, I, I think my first involvement in the community must have been around 2012 or something. I was interested in, in knowing what was going on and I was living in Brussels at the time. So I'd go to these beta group meetings, uh, which were very early um, sort of startup community things going on in Belgium. There wasn't much else, not at least as far as I knew. So those were sessions in some university, I don't remember which one, where everyone would come together in an auditorium and then uh, four or five startups would pitch their thing. And then at the end, people would ask, like, like they would ask, like, would you invest in this startup? I usually thought it was a bad idea to invest in the startup. It was a lot of very loose ideas. Um, I went to these things a few times. So it was that thing in the auditorium and then some, some chips and drinks. That was really, really early stuff. I think at that moment also there was um, an incubator already in ICAB. So Brussels was definitely somehow ahead uh, in that respect. I then moved from Brussels to Antwerp uh, myself around uh, 2013, I think. And in Antwerp at that moment, there was literally nothing. There was nothing going on. Um, so Antwerp, um, to, to place it a bit, it's, uh, 
in this extremely international city. I think we have more than uh, 170 nationalities, almost from all countries in the world as people in Antwerp. That's because it's, uh, it's a big port city, the second biggest port city of Europe behind Rotterdam. Uh, so a lot of people from all over Europe coming together to take the boat. Some people couldn't take the boat because, because they had health issues or, or someone in the family couldn't join. And then uh, these people would stick around here. So a lot of trade going on here and a lot of economy tied to the port, but very little, um, let's say, tech startup activity. And that changed around 2014. I think if I have the years straight, I think end, end of 2013, actually, when um, one of the largest banks of Belgium called KBC, it's, it's also present in many other countries under the name KBC and CBC. And they decided to take sort of the, an iconic building in, in, um, in Antwerp, uh, the, the first skyscraper of Europe, the, the KBC Tower. Uh, people of KBC were going away there and they had a, an internal competition, like how are we going to fill this tower? And one guy, uh, Lode, um, he uh, came up with the idea of housing startups and to make a, a big startup incubator uh, in the middle of Antwerp. So literally in the center. That was really when the startup ecosystem in Antwerp started developing. We were in the second batch of startups. Uh, started at KBC, it was called. It was really revolutionary. There was all kinds of people who, who were starting like the first things coming together there. A lot of different types of companies coming up. Uh, in the beginning, they also had a policy of, of trying to get as many diverse companies as possible in there. Uh, we made a ton of good friends. The space uh, was completely free subsidized by the bank with free coffee, free uh, water, free meeting rooms. So it was a huge help for, for us as startups because we didn't have to spend on office space and all these other things. And that was completely taken out of our hands and the, uh, the women uh, taking care of the organization of the incubator took a lot of work out of, out of our hands that nowadays we have when we, when we obviously have an office, then uh, uh, you have to organize it yourself. Which meant that we didn't have to care about all these things, but we also got to meet the other startups that were building out that journey. And that was extremely helpful to us, that part as well, because we were sort of looking for a way to get her uh, through the ecosystem that was very quickly developing in Belgium. What was around at that point was uh, iMinds, which is now called iMac as well. It's an incubator, an accelerator um, linked to universities, which started its program and started taking in some of the first startups. Uh, those were the first two things together, then also with um, Idea Labs. It's a very early accelerator, uh, which then got funding from a big telecom company called Telenet. We also got in that one. These initiatives were really pushing uh, everything ahead. A lot of it in Antwerp. I must say Antwerp has been really developing in that perspective quickly over the, the, the past few years, where previously Brussels and Ghent, those are sort of economically the, the, the main places in the north of the country or in the country in general, actually, uh, when it comes to innovation and tech. 
Antwerp has been catching up very quickly with the with the two other cities. Like um, in uh, Ghent, you might know companies like Showpad or Team Leader or Netlog, which was very popular uh, around Europe. But in Antwerp, that that wasn't really there, and it was through this incubator actually coming up that that all changed. is 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 a very interesting thing to see that such an initiative can have such a big impact just by bringing people together, essentially. That, that, that's really what happens, yeah. Got it. And so when I was doing the research for this episode just on, on Belgium and what's going on there, I came across this new term that I've actually never heard of before called the Benelux Union. <laughs> um, basically like a union between Luxembourg, Belgium, Netherlands. And it seems like there, I, I guess union has been in existence from like an economic union perspective, but when it comes to actually integration of these three different regions, startup ecosystems, I mean, it, it, it seems like there's been efforts to kind of formalize a connection between the three. Um, is that something that you're actually seeing be no. beneficial or like being carried out? No. Uh, no? The Benelux is a, is, a, is a concept that has been around forever, uh, even before the Schengen area, I think. But I, I don't know what it means economically. And certainly from a startup ecosystem perspective, the only thing that I can imagine is um, the, a, a closer collaboration between um, the, the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium, so Flanders and the Netherlands. So we often have um, um, investors crossing the borders because uh, it's the same language, it's, it's, it's close, it's a natural uh, extension. And the same actually happens at the other side of the country uh, towards France. So uh, you will often, for instance, if you think about eFounders, which is a, a famous startup studio in, um, in Brussels, which is behind companies like Front App and Mention and all those, um, they actually uh, have a lot of their companies based in Paris instead of in Brussels. Uh, there's a very close collaboration uh, on, on these two sides. But if I would say like on a, a Benelux level, no, I don't think so. That's also why you why you'd see um, people like Karen Boers and Frédéric Thibault more working on, I think, European level, um, where um, obviously is the center of Europe is in is in brussels so that that helps rather than on on, on benelux level mm -hmm. well i guess as a european founder i mean i see a lot of different european commission and like eu initiatives that are uh you know helping to kind of create this one market for startups across the continent but mm -hmm. there's, there's you know i mean there's only so much influence a policymaker can have that would you know unify the different languages cultures and like market dynamics across the different countries so from your perspective, like what actually, what actually is and has been useful as a founder that's trying to think about, you know, winning as many European countries as they can? Um, cracking the European market is hard, even for us Europeans, because there's a different language in every country. There's a different legislation. There's different ways of dealing with things, whatever, whatever it is that you offer there's different players in every country. So that's, that's pretty hard. I know of some initiatives that they have been launching, like there was Fireware at some point that was 
the um, the initiatives was 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 around creating a sort of common infrastructure for European startup companies, but I don't think it it really succeeded. But I really don't know, so maybe I, I shouldn't I shouldn't judge its success. What does really help, at least for us, also uh, to a large extent, is the the subsidies that are available when you're building something innovative. Like in Europe, we are way behind when it comes to venture capital uh, comparing to the US, which then is hard for companies like us. For instance, we are a SaaS company, so we need to do a lot of investments in building a product before we get uh, revenues. And then these revenues, they only also come with subscriptions. So they don't come early on, but through the lifetime of the, of the subscription. Uh, so that means that we need to do a whole lot of investments. And um, in Europe, you have... Um, Subsidies for that, both in European programs, so in which you can sign in. They have names like Horizon 2020 uh, and all that. But also Europe gives money to the regions, in our case, Flanders, um, to give out subsidies to promote innovation uh, on, a, on a regional level. Uh, with the ultimate goal of promoting um, employment, so the way it works basically is um, we are considering to build something innovative uh, with which we build up knowledge internally or between companies. And we uh, forecast that we can uh, create employment with that. Then we uh, submit a file to which is uh, what is called in, in Flanders VLAIO, so V-L-A-I-O. And they judge our file on the different criteria that, that have been put forward and then uh, decide uh, whether we can do that project and can subsidize for it and how much, um, how much money that will cost. Well, we, we obviously give estimates, but they can, uh, they can revise those. Uh, and this has helped us tremendously to bridge that gap sort of between seed and series A, I would say where otherwise that would be hard from a European founder perspective. Because if you want to get out of the European VC ecosystem, that very quickly means moving to the US, which is quite of, um, I would say, a, a, yeah, it's not necessarily something uh, you want to do. We have a lot of uh, very good human capital people working for us at a, at a, at a decent price, especially when you compare to places like uh, like San Francisco. So we don't really see a reason why we would do that, except for the money. But the subsidies then on the, on, on, on the European level really, really help. So let me ask you, if, if I gave you a magic wand and I said you can solve one specific problem in the Belgian ecosystem, that might be lack of developer talent, lack of design talent, lack of Series A fund, it's really whatever you want to solve. Like, what would you use that for? What would be the most important issue that you feel like is kind of in its current state holding the Belgium ecosystem back? Probably taxation. It's either taxation or, or availability of VC money. We uh, are a very successful country on, on the solidarity level. In the US, you would call it socialism or, uh, or, or some people might, might even call it communism. But it really works uh, very well for us here. So imagine that um, uh, 
healthcare is practically free. Uh, everybody is well supported. Uh, education is available for everyone uh, without spending a ton of money. So everybody gets equal chances and gets avail uh, access to healthcare whenever needed. Uh, infrastructure is really great. You know, we're, we're, we're super happy about all these things. Uh, but on the other hand, we also pay uh, quite some taxes which as an entrepreneur is not always very handy because it means that if you want to pay someone, a big part of that money goes, goes to the state. So that's definitely something that would really help to solve that. Although we get a lot of exceptions here and there, that's, that's then of course something that comes up when you, um, when you have high taxation, then, then they make exceptions for young companies and all this kind of stuff. So um, not, complaining too much when i think about it probably the the availability of vc money is the the biggest issue uh, and that's not just on belgian level certainly on belgian level but but on, on the general european level where a lot of it is also moving more and more to later stages and um, and there's a very big gap in the the early stage funding it's, it's tough, I'd say, Europe and Africa, because you have the market fragmentation and the issue really is, I guess the issue seems to come up where it just takes a good amount of capital to activate a new market. You know, if you, if you yeah. actually are able to penetrate into Belgium and you want to go into France, I mean, it's very capital intensive just to kind of, you know, get started, localize an office there versus what we have here in the US or what China has, um, you know, which is one homogenous market to be attacked. And so I don't really know how that gets solved. I mean, yeah, because again, I mean, there's only so much policymakers can do to actually identify the markets. Imagine we sell, uh, uh, our main market is the US, our second market is the UK, our third is the Benelux, and then there's uh, the Nordics and Australia and, you know, Germany, France, whatever. Uh, it's not really an issue for us because we sell online, um, to reach these markets and to uh, grow there. It's more that the money to do this quicker is less available to us than for a competitor at the other side of the, the ocean. Got it. Okay. So, so your biggest market in terms of your customer base is the US. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and, and so when you started this in Antwerp, was, was your, I guess, marketing business development focus there? Or is that just how it naturally started to, to uh, progress? And that's how, it's, how it naturally happens. We do our, our marketing all in English. Um, so naturally, the U.S. comes out as the biggest market there, especially because uh, people are slightly um, quicker at adapting new software technology, like what we sell uh, in the U.S. than in, in many other markets. Well, so how, how often would you say that happens in Belgium where a startup actually builds a product, um, maybe initially focused on getting, you know, local customers in Brussels or Antwerp, but then starts just to get more traction naturally in somewhere like the US, Canada, or the UK, and then start focusing there? Is that, is that common or is that just... Um, recently more common, yeah. There, there used to be a long time where that was like, whoa, they're building out a presence in the US, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's not that difficult anymore nowadays. Hmm. Um, I mean, with, uh, 
everything becoming digital and on the internet and all that anyway, everybody has equal chances all around the world. And it's, it's as easy to, to get customers in the US when you're selling online than when you're based in Antwerp than when you're based in, in say, let's say New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially with with COVID, <laughs> right? Because you're on Zoom anyway. So. <laughs> That's true. Um, interesting. Okay, so I guess my last question would be: Is there any trend? I mean, obviously, there's going to be a huge language and cultural barrier. But is there any trend of you're seeing of European or Belgian-based startups that might have su- some success locally, but then kind of intentionally look to go east towards China or? Japan to launch there? Uh, that doesn't happen often. Um, and I, I, I think that's, that's, that is something that is valid for both European and uh, US companies uh, going to China. There's just uh, the, 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 the type of entrepreneurial ecosystem is so different um, that it's very hard for outsiders to really tackle China the right way uh, and to compete with the local entrepreneurs, um, which are getting very um, crafty at uh, launching their things and always adapting. Um, It's a whole different entrepreneurial culture for which we are not prepared. So I Mm -hmm. think it's no different than than US uh, companies trying to go to the China. Right. That makes sense. That's a great way to end it. Well, Yeroen Korthout, CEO and co-founder of Salesflare, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. It was, this was fun. <laughs>